I'm Peter Dow. This is Direct Left on Call-In. If you haven't yet, please sign up for the newsletter at directleft.com. We need direct action. We need strikes. We need protest, mutual aid. It's not enough just to vote. We can't vote away the oligarchy. But there are still great candidates out there who are running for office and they're running to take on the establishment. And I want to talk to two of them right now who I consider friends who I think are amazing candidates, Michaela Wilkes and Jason Call. And thank you both for being here. Stephanie, thank you for being here as well. You're always um, a great part of these conversations. So thank you to everybody who is listening live. And of course, thank you to everybody who listens to this once it's uh, up as a podcast. Michaela, you want to tell us a little bit about your campaign? Thank you for being here. I just want to hear more about your race. You're running against Denny Hoyer. You're a true, true establishment figure. How are things going? Um, And just tell us more about yourself, your background and how you got here. Uh, we're in the final stretch of our campaign here in Maryland with our primary being on July the 19th. And so we're pretty much just doing everything that we can to spread as much awareness about our campaign as possible. We have a brand new district, which is more favorable. And so, um, yeah, I believe that we can win this race. We have a much more favorable district, and I'm really excited to see what's to come. That's wonderful. And you ran last time. You ran a great race um, last cycle as well, correct? Correct. Okay, great. So you have experience running and and you know the process. You're a great candidate. And um, so what I wanted to ask you, Michaela, and and also Jason, look, so I've gone through an evolution myself, having worked within the Democratic Party for about 20 years, all the way to, you know, working as an advisor to Hillary Clinton and to John Kerry for his presidential campaign, to a lot of progressive congressional candidates. And, you know, over time, I came more and more to believe that you can't change the system from within. I tried to. I came as a progressive grassroots organizer and activist from the net roots era, from the early blog days. Um, and I got into the system, got pulled into it as sort of like a liaison to the, to, to the progressive community. And more and more, I started becoming part of, part of that establishment, working for mainstream um, figures like the Clintons. And look, I thought I was doing the right thing at the time. I certainly didn't think I was supporting some sort of heinous oligarchy. I, I, maybe I didn't know enough. It, it, it took time for everybody evolves and everybody learns. And over time, I started seeing, wait a minute, somehow Republicans keep winning. And sometimes and somehow when Democrats win, Republican policies keep, <laughs> you know, uh, remain in place or even get exacerbated or, you know, or continued and expanded. And so I reached a point where I started feeling we've got to tear down this whole system. Which brings me to this key point that I know you, Michaela, and you, Jason, grapple with, which is you take a look at the squad, you take a look at, you know, congressional progressives, and it it seems that they have really supported the Biden uh, presidency, supported Pelosi, supported the Biden agenda, um, and Biden and Pelosi have, have sort of looked at congressional progressives almost as you know, mouthpieces for them or spokespeople for them. That has caused a tremendous amount of aggravation and frustration among leftists. Like, okay, they're sellouts, they sold out, and, you know, no one can break the system from within. And I've, and I've made the argument that you really need to tear down the system from outside. But then I come across people like you who are deeply principled people who care about all the same things I care about, who are running, who are running within the Democratic Party system, maybe sometimes from necessity or choice or whatever it is. And you are principled people. And you know both when you will go to Congress, and I hope you both win. 
that you will stand up to the system. So my attitude has been, and I'm going to keep this short. I want to go to you. I don't want to uh, go on too long, but I just want to lay some background to this whole conversation for those listening. When I look at, you know, there was this whole thing with force the vote and, uh, you know, hashtags like the fraud squad. I don't think that I'm in a position as somebody who tried to work within the system and, and I felt I failed because all those years I gave and, you know, people like Trump get elected and, and, and Joe Biden is, you know, Obama pushed Bush's policies and Trump uh, Biden is pushing Trump's policies and Pelosi makes sure to protect all of them. So I lost faith in my ability to change system from within. But that doesn't mean I'm in a position to cast judgment on an Ilhan Omar, AOC or Rashida Tlaib. These are people who have their principles. So I never went along with the whole fraud squad idea. I don't think I have the right to call somebody a fraud when I took a similar path. The way I look at it is I think they're making a terrible mistake. I think it is a terrible mistake to support Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi if you're, work, if you're within the system and you have a position of power. I think Biden and Pelosi, and I've said this, really are essentially part of, part of the system that protects oligarchs and punches at the working class and punches at the left. So they're all part of the same system together. So this whole sort of, um, you know, rotating villain show with Manchin, I don't buy but progressives have had power that they have not exercised. Have they done it out of some strategic belief? Have they done it because they're, quote unquote, sellouts? Are they frauds? Like I said, I'm not going to cast those types of aspersions on the character of somebody like a Rashida Tlaib or an Ilhan Omar. I'm just not in a position. I don't have the right to call them sellouts. I assume that they, they think they're doing the right thing. So, Mikhail, let me start with you and then we'll go to Jason. What are your thoughts about standing up to somebody like Nancy Pelosi, who, as far as I'm concerned, is like Mitch McConnell, one of the most dangerous politicians because they uphold this oppressive system? So what are your thoughts on standing up to the system if you win? Yeah, so my thoughts on standing up to the system is absolutely organizing within Congress, with the progressives, with the Progressive Caucus, um, to ensure that we are withholding our votes to do whatever we have to do to put the people first because incremental change doesn't work and we see that, right? And we also see that the establishment Democrats, they can organize, but they organize for what their priorities are, which is the profitization of what we consider basic human rights, what are basic human rights. And so as progressives, we need to also be um, organize with one another when we're elected into Congress. So we can't be afraid. We have to continue to be bold in the same manner in which they organize. And we see how they organize against Nina Turner, how they organize against Bernie Sanders. We see that they're capable of doing that. But we as progressives have to keep that same energy. And for instance, voting for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House, you know, would we have had the bandwidth to um, take her speakership from her? Because of course we know the Republicans in the House wouldn't have voted for her. What would have happened if the, progressive would, if the progressives would have also withheld their votes from Nancy Pelosi being Speaker of the House? I think that, that see, that's a great question. Jason, what are your thoughts on that? Because I thought one of the most, you know, I should say the worst mistakes made by progressives in Congress at the very beginning of Democrats taking the House was supporting Nancy Pelosi for speaker, because right there you are putting in place one of the most powerful, masterful experts at protecting the system. Jason, what do you think? Well, I, I agree with uh, what Michaela said. And I, I just want to give a quick shout out to Michaela for doing the uh, 
the show with Brianna Joy Gray. And if anybody has not heard that, listen to that, um, go to uh, Brianna Joy Gray's um, uh, show. Um, I was that bad faith, Michaela. Um, I don't remember if she's still calling it bad faith, but uh, Brianna asked a lot of these tough questions about what is going to make uh, you different when you get there. And, and Michaela had some fantastic answers and I'm sure she's probably going to um, give some of those here uh, today. But um, I've, I have said right from the beginning, I would not have, if, even if I was the only person to not vote for Nancy Pelosi, if I have to stand alone, because I, as a, 30-year activist, I have stood alone many, many, many times, um, and I've taken the heat for it, and I have, in in many, many of those instances, most of those instances, I can look backwards and say, I'm glad I took that stand. Um, and that is one of the reasons that the progressive community here in my district uh, is really excited about my candidacy, because they know I am going to be that person who will, if even if I'm the only person, um, you know, I ran for state party chair, Democratic state party chair in 2018, knowing I wasn't going to win, but wanting to use my speaking time to rail against corporate influence in the Democratic Party. Um, so. So I uh, that was that was one of the reasons that uh, the Democratic Party came after me hard and ended up suspending me. I am willing to take those personal hits because what is in front of us for the future of this country and the future of the world, the future of my kids, as you know, I've got a couple of teens, but it's not about just my kids. It's about everybody's kids. The future is is so precarious right now that we cannot afford to be anything less than uh, as bold as we can be. So that's 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 my position. And I have been asked in now I won't say I have gotten enough support locally within Democratic Party organizations that I have gotten five uh, local party organization uh, endorsement so far. In fact, last night, I got the sole endorsement of one of my county Democratic parties. But the people in that party are young people, they're queer people, they're poor people, uh, and they know that they have got a, a um, future, uh, that they've got somebody who is going to stand up for their future. Most of the membership of these local Democratic Party organizations, they're old, they're predominantly white, and they are secure in their housing, their health care, their retirement, um, and all of those things that so many people in this country struggle for, especially marginalized communities. So, you know, I got that sole endorsement because of the membership that had uh, uh, signed up to be a part of that party. And now I can turn around and say, hey, look, I've got the support of the local Democratic Party here. Um, and that's, you know, that's no small feat. Um, but they know I'm going to go in there and swing bats. That's that's what I'm here for. Um, that's I, a, well, that, right. I, I will actually stick to what AOC said when she said, I don't care if I just become a one term congressperson, I'm going to get in there and fight. Um, and I don't know that she knew what she was getting what she was going to be facing, but I've been doing this thing for 30 years and I've been involved with the democratic party for 20 years. And I believe I know what I'm up against. And I'll tell you what, I've been an activist for 30 years. And, and if I, if I do end up being a one-term congressperson, um, for whatever reason, I'll go back to doing activism. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. Well, that's, see, that's the thing, Jason, that's what I love about you and Michaela 
you know, you, you, you're both at the ground level. You will always make a difference in your community one way or the other. Um, and that's a great point. Michaela, I wanted to ask you something because, you know, as I've moved f- further myself to the position of being very critical of the establishment of the Democratic Party, you know, you'll, people respond to me like, well, why don't you ever go after Republicans? And I say, I do. And I've done it for 22 years. So, Michaela, let's talk a little bit, um, um, if you want to, about how terrible the Republican Party is, because let's always remember the vast amount of our criticism of Democrats is just because they are sucking up to Republicans. They are doing the Republican biddings. They are not opposing Republicans when they say they are. But fundamentally, the GOP is really the party of fascism and white supremacy. And uh, I want to make sure that's that's stated for the record here. We oppose Republicans, but we believe and a candidate like like you, Michaela, tell me if this is correct, if I'm correct in this assessment. You believe you can oppose and fight the, the, the encroaching fascism of Republicans better than somebody like Steny Hoyer. Is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And and by no means are we excusing anything that the that the Republican Party does, you know, but. Um, the Republican Party is a party of oppression that wants to oppress marginalized communities. They want to strip away all of our basic human rights, um, especially, you know, we see now that they are gearing up to um, overturn things that have to do with um, LGBTQ rights. We see these bills going up all across the country. You know, we saw it. Um, it began in Texas with the heartbeat bills that started to pass. And then what do we find out? The leaked draft document from SCOTUS that they're trying to overturn Roe versus Wade. And now we see a series of bills going up across the country um, that are anti-LGBTQ plus bills. And we can only imagine what's going to happen next with that. And it's not, it's not been codified into law. So we have that problem right there. Uh, but the thing about the Republicans is that we know that they are POSs. We know what their agenda is. We know that they want to work against people like us. Um, we know that there are people that even vote within the Democratic, within the Republican Party that vote against their own interests just because people like me will get the same opportunities as them. Um, but I will say the reason why we challenge the Democratic Party is because this is supposed to be the party of inclusivity. This is supposed to be the party for people like us. And so it's really disappointing to see, you know, people in Democratic leadership, people that are part of the Democratic establishment that are working closely with these people that are in the Republican Party that are fighting against our interests for the betterment of our interests instead of compromising with the people in our communities that are saying we want universal health care, that are saying that we want, you know, a clean environment, that we're fighting for environmental justice. And so that's why it's very problematic. Um, but by no means at all are we excusing anything that the, uh, that the Republican Party did or that they are still doing. Exactly. exactly. I look at the squad primarily because there was so much hope put into them, that they would buck the system, fight the system from within. And then, again, there's a lot of disappointment and being let down and saying, you know, why are they supporting Biden and Pelosi? And why are they, you know, if you look at uh, uh, someone like uh, uh, Representative Jayapal, who is who for at a certain point just became the main promoter of Biden on 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 on, on social media, on MSNBC. And progressives are looking around like, wait a minute, you know, Joe Biden I mean, you know, we know his record. And, and if you look at Pelosi, too, I mean, I, I have this um, this list of quotes that I've been compiling uh, on a weekly basis. And I, and I keep sharing on, on Twitter, but I, I'll go through it again. These are quotes of Pelosi and Biden 
praising and lauding and heaping this compliments and praise on the Reagans, the Bushes, Mitch McConnell. And I'm not talking about 10 and 15 years ago, just in the past few months. Pelosi and Biden have repeatedly called for a stronger Republican Party. They've repeatedly praised. I mean, Joe Biden called Mitch McConnell a man of word and a man of honor and a rational Republican. Mitch McConnell is a monstrous politician, one of the worst politicians and most powerful who has harmed so many people with his policies and with his uh, obstruction and and. His just really, you know, effectively a white supremacist agenda, an agenda of, of, of oppression and domination and crushing people's rights. How is he a man of word and a man of honor? Why, why is Jill Biden praising Nancy Reagan, uh, you know, and, 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 and um, Nancy Pelosi praising Ronald Reagan? Why are we doing the work of the Republican Party to promote their idols and their figures? So from my standpoint... It is a terrible mistake if you, you know, elected as a progressive to go in and just start supporting the very same politicians who are supporting Republicans. You'll see this January 6th committee. You know, January, January 6th was a, was a horrendous event, an assault on the Capitol, right? And the Republicans are effectively behind it at the top and the highest levels. So why is Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden calling for a stronger Republican Party? And then somebody, sometimes people will answer, well, we need two parties. And I'll say, then why not support the Green Party? If you want a two-party system, let's have the Democratic Party, which is the corporate party, and then let's have the Green Party, or let's have another independent leftist party. Jason, what are your thoughts? I want to hear both you and Michaela, because this is the problem with this, 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 the whole you know, progressives. What I believe they've done wrong, that's just my opinion, is to support these establishment figures. But Jason, what do you think? Michaela, what do you think? Well, I, you know, George Carlin said it, right? It's a big club and you're not in it. I mean, that's really what that's really what it comes down to. Um, and the, the thing that uh, Nancy Pelosi has said, aside from her praise of these horrendous Republicans um, and, you know, we could we could we could trace uh, the the source, the rise of Trump back to the election of Ronald Reagan uh, in 1980. But, um, you, you know, it, the, the, the truth is that we have elected the three Democrats that we have had presidents, uh, Clinton, Obama and now Biden, have all been more conservative, you know, objectively than Richard Nixon was uh, in, in many respects. Um, on, on, on policy. And, and Nixon was not a great guy. I'm not praising Nixon in, in any way, shape or form. Um, but, but that's our, that's the trajectory our country has been on. So the thing that Nancy Pelosi said that is really the, um, sort of marker for me, uh, in, in terms of whether I can trust, uh, the establishment of the democratic party. And I absolutely do not. Uh, she says she's a capitalist to her bones. And I think the the um, the uh, adherence to uh, capitalism that exists in the highest echelons of the Democratic Party, you know, so I'm not talking about the squad um, or people like Ed Markey or some members of the Progressive Caucus, not all because I have been highly, highly critical of the Progressive Caucus. And I have said over and over again, I will not join the Progressive Caucus. I will stand to the left of the Progressive Caucus and invite other people to stand with me and we can have an actually Progressive Caucus. Um, but that is that is really the root of it. I mean, we've got where we are. Um, they are upholding this corporate, the, the upper echelons of the Democratic Party are upholding this 
amoral, immoral um, corporate capitalist system that is really the source of, um, uh, you know, the oppression of, of the masses in this country. And I say there are three things that are inextricably tied to each other. Um, that is white supremacy, patriarchy and capitalism. And so if you're upholding any one of those, you're essentially upholding all three. And the Democratic Party needs to reckon with that. Um, and, and if the Democratic Party does not reckon with that, uh, they are just Republican light. I mean, that's really that's really my opinion on it. We we need to change the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has some good things on paper. Well, I've talked about the what the you know I helped rewrite the Washington State Democrats uh, platform to be an extremely progressive platform. The thing is, nobody gives a shit about the platform when it comes down to actually uh, running the elections. The the um, the the top levels. I mean, the Washington State Democratic Party is essentially an arm of the DNC, and they don't care about our platform. They're not interested in the activists. They 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 almost laugh at us. Um, and so we have to do that kind of organizing. Like Michaela said, the most important thing to do is that when we get there, we organize, 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 because nothing good has ever happened without that kind of organizing. Yeah, that's a great, great point, Jason. So, Michaela, um, can you tell us and tell anybody listening, how are ways we can support your campaign? You know, what's your website? Uh, how can people donate? I want to make this practical so that people can try to help you win. Absolutely. And thank you, Peter. Um, so if anyone is interested in, in getting involved with our race, um, we definitely are grassroots. We don't take money from any super PACs. And so any uh, donation that you can make to our campaign is definitely helpful, especially because we are about 40 days out from our primary. And so we need to definitely scale up a lot more to reach as many voters as possible. Um, and if contributions aren't your thing, help us to phone bank constituents. We phone bank every week, every Monday, every Monday, every Wednesday um, to constituents in the district to let them know that they have choice. Um, but yeah, and if anyone wants to check out our website, it's MichaelaWilkes.com and our social media platforms across the board. Um, the handle is at Meet Michaela. Wonderful. Uh, you're a great candidate, and I'm really, I'm really happy that, that you're here, and it's really an honor to talk to you and Jason as well. You guys are both really good people and people who belong in Congress who are principled and who really support working class people and not the billionaires who are just running away with everything and hoarding everything. Uh, Stephanie, would you like to weigh in with some thoughts? Hi, everybody. Um, well, you know, I... I actually grew up with uh, Republican parents, so I have come a very, very long way, and I've considered myself a socialist for a while. And so um, I kind of had a—I I think I had it with the Democratic Party um, in 2020 when they started kicking the Green Party off the presidential ballot, and I, in protest— uh, voted for the green candidates on my ballot, voted for ballot measures, and then left everything else blank. And I guess it was just kind of to send a message, hey, I'm voting, but I'm not voting for you guys. So, you know, I, I've been very much like in the same group that you have, Peter, where it's like, I, I don't think it's possible to reform the Democratic Party based on the fact that everybody we have gotten into Congress or the Senate gets brought into the the establishment 
they don't they don't hold to their principles and their their campaign. And so my question for you guys is, you know, social ostracization is what I think that they use to try to break these candidates. And I especially was heartbroken when I saw them break Ilhan Omar, who I absolutely adored. And so what 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 is it that you um, what is your strategy to resist what they're going to throw at you? Michaela, you want to go first with that one? I just want to add one point to Stephanie's question, which is a good one. I actually feel I've, I've, I've suddenly, just over the past month or two, and especially getting to know Jason well and seeing what a principled person he is, and I'm starting to feel like maybe what happened with the squad and with progressives has sort of spurred a new generation and new wave of can- progressive candidates and leftist candidates, and two of them are here, who actually seeing what the squad did wrong and what congressional progressives did wrong are going to want to go in there and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to stand up to the leadership as a matter of principle. Because again, I'm not questioning the principles of, 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 of members like AOC, Ilhan, et cetera, Rashida Tlaib and others, Ayanna Presley, et cetera, um, Jamal Bowman, on and on and on. You know, several of these are people I supported and, and know, um, so I'm never going to question their principles, but I certainly have the right to question their strategy because I've made strategic mistakes myself in many years in the, in the party. But Michaela, am I right to, to feel, and then Jason, that you've seen their mistakes and you're going to go in there if you do, and I hope you do win, and say, you know what, this time I'm going to do this differently. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that that's an excellent point. But I also think that sometimes we make things out to be more difficult or um, I can't think of the word that I'm, that I'm trying to say, but we make things out to be more harder than, than it is. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a strategy when it comes to being uh, afraid of being politically ostracized. I think it just comes down to caring more about the reason why you ran to, to, to be in Congress, to think about the reasons why you're there, to think about the people in your community and not give a damn about being politically ostracized, to not give a damn about committee assignments and to not give a damn about being reelected. Because we can sit here and say all day, you know, well, our districts need us and at least, you know, we're getting some kind of change, although it's not, you know, what we ultimately want. It's not the, ulti- the, the ultimate end goal that we have came here and that we have fought for. But it boils down to that is exactly what we've already had for decades and decades, for hundreds of years, incremental change, and it doesn't work. And so it just all comes down to do you care more about political ostracization? Do you care more about uh, committee assignments? Do you care more about being reelected? Or do you care about actually doing everything that you can going into Congress? And if you don't get reelected, at least you have no regrets. But you came there and you brought the table and you broke down walls and you fought as hard as you did to get in that seat for the people in your community. And that's what just has to be the main focal point. It has to be that important because of everything that we have at risk. That's, that's beautifully said, perfectly said. Um, I yeah, great answer. Jason, you want to just wait yeah, with your response? I, then, then we'll go there well, the to first, Anthony. Well, the first thing I want to say is how I, how excited I'm going to be to be serving with Michaela uh, come I the hope. beginning of 2023 because, yes, she is exactly right. Um, you know, I, I have said, you know, I said this in, even in 2020 when I ran, um, 
that I am not going there to be part of a social club. I am going to do the work of the people. It is the only thing I care about. Um, and, you know, I, you're not going to catch me going to the Met Gala. You know, I might go some to, to you know, you I, I might have to go to some functions for this, that, and the other to meet some people that I might need to work with. But I'm not there for that. I'm not. Uh, I am going there to get good legislation passed. And, and you know, um, I will, you know, well, I love that Corey. I don't think it was a meaningless gesture that, that Corey Bush camped out on the steps of the Capitol. Um I, I think that those kind of showings are important. I want to stand with Corey um, uh, in, in actions like that and other actions that show we actually mean business. Um, so that is that is my perspective on going there. The only thing that matters is that I work for my community. See, Jason, you just raised a perfect point, right? I think about Corey Bush. This is somebody I respect. And this is this goes this goes back to this whole fraud squad issue, right? Who am I to 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 question the fundamental character of somebody like Cory Bush, right? You know, sit on Twitter and say, you know, you're a sellout, you're a fraud, you're this, you have no principles. I I I just don't believe that's the right thing to do. You can disagree vehemently, you can disagree strongly, you can say. Look, you're a person of principle, but what you're doing is just supporting the establishment. But again, Cory Bush is another Cory Bush is an example of somebody that I'm not going to be willing to stand above somehow and say, I, you know, you're not good enough. I'm better than you. I have better principles than you. That's a I think that's a very dangerous thing to do. Now, somebody like Nancy Pelosi, on the other hand, who has brazenly, brazenly supported the Republican Party. She let George Bush get away with war crimes. She narrowed Donald Trump's impeachment down to nothing. 95% of his crimes he got away with. Bill Barr, Stephen Miller, they're out there signing book deals right now. All the power of Biden and Pelosi and Schumer and the Democratic Party leadership and Obama on the sidelines, all the power they have. Have, has not been exercised in any way to hold accountable these very Republicans that the rank and file Democrats and liberals oppose so much and hate so much. So if you despise the Republican Party, and there certainly is reason to do that, then, my Lord, you, you cannot look at people like Pelosi and say, OK, this is who I want leading the charge against them when her entire career has been defending and protecting them. So Anthony, let me let me go to you and then we'll wrap. Anthony, let me hear your thoughts on this stuff, please. Hey, good evening, Peter and Jason, Michaela, Stephanie and everyone. Um, so I, I, I'm going to just give a couple of thoughts that I've jotted down here. And I feel like um, I want to come at this from a place of appreciation and love. Um, I would never want to run for office. So I think it's awesome that both of you are. You're far better people than I am. That said, my critiques of the Democratic Party, I just you don't want to throw these out and see what people think. Somebody made a comment. It might have been Peter that the Republicans are a fascist party. Uh, I see the Democrats as a fascist party and a white supremacist party, too. Uh, three quick points. National Defense Authorization Act of 2012 that Obama signed uh, made indefinite detention of American citizens without charge or trial legal. And he signed it. 
I was actually in the court when it was being challenged by uh, Chris Hedges and um, I can't remember the whistleblower's name and a couple of other people. Uh, but that's fascism. Also, the the uh, Obama's response to the protests in Ferguson were both fascist and white supremacist. And of course, Joe Biden's a white supremacist and has been his entire life. The white supremacist mass incarceration legislation was just one of the horrible things he's done and said. And I, you know, I don't see much of a difference. Democrats give language as if they're not, but then they do those things. Um, in 2009, the Democrats had a supermajority for five months. What they didn't do is they didn't pass any gun laws, they didn't raise the minimum wage, and they didn't codify Roe. So I understand what's they, happening. They didn't pass. They didn't pass a good health care. You know. They, oh yeah, they no, they didn't pass a health care bill. No, they didn't. They passed a horrible health care bill, and we weren't even allowed to speak about the public option, which Obama did run on. So when Democrats have power, they don't do anything differently than the Republicans. Um, Obama and Clinton, you know, Peter pointed this out, both uh, not. Yeah. Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Um, oh, and Nancy Pelosi praised the Reagans. You know, Nancy Reagan with the LGBTQ community was was horrendous. So we it's can also, go down by the list. way, Anthony, it's 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 amazing and disgusting to me that this praise of Reagan from Jill Biden, Nancy Pelosi is coming during Pride Month, no less. Well, they do. I think they do it on purpose to basically say, don't even think we're not in control here. We do what we want and say what we want. You like it or you're out. Um, both Obama and Hillary Clinton in 2008 said marriage was between a man and a woman. And it's not lost on me that it was John Roberts, a Republican appointee to the court who wrote the majority opinion legalizing same-sex marriage. That was a Republican, not a Democrat appointee. So when I, I don't see a difference between the parties. Um, here's my concern with working within the system. It is literally one minute to midnight on climate change. We don't have the luxury for incre incrementalism. I've been saying for a while, you cannot incrementally crawl out of a burning building. You know, if you get prescribed antibiotics for five days because you have strep throat and you say, you know what, I'm just going to take two days worth of antibiotics. But look, I took antibiotics. You're still sick. It does nothing. And anything the Democrats are willing to compromise on when it comes to fossil fuels is going to be inadequate. And who's going to bear the brunt globally and nationally? Poor people and people of color, BIPOC, um, black and brown people in this country are way more vulnerable to the, the problems of climate change. We don't have the luxury of trying, and, and this is my concern, to shift a party who had every opportunity to do that in 2016, what they did was they violated their own charter and cheated Bernie, which meant they cheated voters and they cheated the country. Uh, just a couple of other quick points and whatever people want to respond to is fine. Uh, I don't like the fraud squad hashtag because I just don't like silly hashtags. I tend not to use them. But I do think it's okay to criticize people who make $174,000 a year. And I think it's okay to call them a sellout because, you know, well, just one quick thing. We talked about the, the protest where they did the sit-in or sleep-in on the Capitol steps, was it, for, uh, for the eviction moratorium? 
Um, that to me was all performance because they stopped as soon as the um, CDC said they were going to reinstate it. The Supreme Court had clearly said if the CDC reinstates the eviction moratorium, we will overturn it. But if Congress passes it, it's OK. Law is all right. CDC doesn't have, um, I guess, the venue, whatever. They don't have the uh, the ability to do it. So that, so to me, that was all performance. People got kicked off. Congress went on vacation. None of them said, no, no, we're not leaving. Right. So Nancy Pelosi said, go on vacation. No eviction moratorium. No vote. No vote. And the reason no vote, because Democrats were going to vote it down. It had nothing to do with the Republicans. So Cori Bush is a massive disappointment to me. I mean, here is a woman who put herself, her body on the line for Black Lives Matter and then sits there and doesn't criticize the president when he says, no, defund the police. We're going to fund the police. We're going to fund the police. Like I would have been on the news that night or the next day and said, listen, I'm reneging my Democratic membership. This man is dangerous and this man is a racist. So let me stop you, Anthony. Let me let me stop stop you there because I think it's important um, to respond. I just want to stay focused on this core point. I invited you on for a reason, Stephanie, as well, because I wanted to have the viewpoint of just a straight, blunt uh, criticism of the Democratic Party that you're presenting. But it, but it also still brings back my fundamental issue. I know people like Jason and Michaela are absolutely principled people. And if they're elected as Democrats, I 100% believe, just based on what I've seen of them, what I know of them, that they will stand for the principles that I believe in. Now, does that mean that the establishment of the party doesn't have an iron grip, tries to absorb every threat from within? So there are people, legitimate people who vote Democrat people who support Democrats and people who run as Democrats who are absolutely good principled people trying to make a difference. I I will not paint with a brush so broad that I'm tarnishing the values and principles and character of everyone who isn't a, like a pure left. I'm not saying you're doing that, Anthony, but I'm saying I I just want to make sure that it's very important that we don't paint with too broad a brush. Um, Scott, you want to go ahead and ask a question if you have anything of Jason and Michaela? Or less a question and more just a comment. I'm I'm really encouraged. I've uh, you know been been here a couple times. I'm familiar with Michaela. Just hearing both of them speak, um, what I fear is that history is repeating itself. That you know we're we're a hundred years from the rise of the Nazis, and the Nazis seem to like they're making a resurgence. Um, you know, it feels like. The American house is just infested. It's it's termites, it's bed bugs, it's everything. The foundation is going to break down. And there are people on the other side of the aisle. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is willing to burn burn the house down in order to build it the way that she wants, and she has plenty of support um, for doing that. Um, and I just think that we need our own side who is willing to build up and b- rebuild the foundation um, in a more positive direction. And from what I'm hearing from Jason, he has that vision to um, to build it up. And Michaela as well. I, th- I feel like both of them have uh, have good good vision, good intentions, and I believe that they would do what they say when they get into Congress. 
Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for your participation on a regular basis. Yes, that's that's how I feel, too. Like, uh, on the one hand, you look at the system and on a systemic level, I have definitely reached a point where the whole thing needs to be torn down. The the entire capitalist system and the entire global system of how humans interact. I've talked often about, um, you know, really my positions at this point, my political philosophy is closest to anarchism. And there's a lot of reading to do to really understand it. And I'm just at the beginning of my reading to understand anarchist philosophy. But it's really a sense of we have to completely reorganize and restructure how humans interact with one another overall. And that goes way beyond the parties, completely way beyond the parties. It's the entire way humans on this earth have decided or have ended up, sometimes not by choice, of coexisting. And coexisting with one another and with, with, with all other living things and with this planet. It's broken. I mean, you know, living in the New York area, to see the type of wealth that I see, I mean, people who buy $20 million condos just to sort of leave them empty and then buy another $20 million condo down in Florida and maybe one on the West Coast. And then I see people who are struggling who don't have $100 to their name in an emergency, which is really 40, 50 percent of the country. This type of inequality this type of obscene inequality, people who don't have health care when others are, 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 are buying $100 million yachts, this cannot be the way the world is best structured. Destroying the planet, plastics in everything, microplastics in our bodies, a destruction of the environment. How could this possibly be the best way we can put human society together? It's not possibly the right way. We have to have a better way. We have to fight for it. But then, you know, drilling down right to, to the moment right now, then I see people like Jason and Michaela and so many other candidates out there and activists. I don't want to just isolate candidates, organizers, activists, good people who are out there trying to make a difference. I want to support them. So I want to give a word to Michaela just to wrap and then a word to Jason. Um, and then I, th- I think we should wrap this. And I, I truly appreciate everybody's uh, input. Michaela, you just want to maybe say a final word? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you, Peter, for continuing to provide a platform for, you know, candidates and people and organizers like Jason and I. So thank you so much for having me on today thank and you. for continuing to do that work. Thank you. Um, and I, I guess my last final words is just, you know, electoral politics is not enough. We're running for office. People are voting. We have made still uh, more major elections coming up, but it's not enough. People have to be activated in their communities. You have to organize within your communities because as we see, the system that we have is not working for us. It's not working for people like us. And it's, it's the reason why it is so hard for people like me and Jason to get in because they gatekeep this system so that people like us cannot get in. Um, look at the foundation that this country was built off of, colonization and the commodities of human rights, right? And it's nothing but a modern day version of what, was, of what this country was when it first began, you know? And so this is what we're up against. And so, you know, while I do, I do really, really want to make it into Congress so that I can organize for people in my community. Um, If the universe doesn't allow that to happen, I will continue to be within my community and organizing amongst my peers, because organizers are the root of everything that we are championing right now. These are the people that are on the streets risking arrest, putting their lives on the line. Um, and so, yeah, I would just I would just want to to end off with that. You know, electoral politics is very important, but it is not the end all be all and it will not create change on its own. Thank you. That's perfectly said. 
agree completely. And Jason, I'm sure you you have a similar position to Michaela. On this. Yeah, in fact, I was going to say, um, you know, I don't disagree with literally anything that Anthony has said about the Democratic Party. Um, the Democratic Party, just as Michaela said, it is a gatekeeping institution, and it does not want the people to have power. Um, and and so I see the job of uh, Michaela and myself and really many good candidates out there who I think will have learned from the mistakes of the squad uh, when we get there, who are not there to participate in, you know, essentially the the malpractice of our current government towards its own citizens um, and are going to have, see, I tell people this, like I have got two years with a national platform and I am going to use it. And also the other thing, you know, I was talking about this with one of my local democratic party uh, groups, um, you know, that we, you know, when I, when I get into Congress, when I, whatever opportunities, opportunities I have to get into communities and educate communities on how they can take power back. That is what I want to do. And I, you know, our Congress, you know, the, the, neither the democratic party or the Republican party establishment wants a well educated and motivated, um, uh, uh, general public. I mean, for, for, I, I would say that the, the Republicans do, but that's not really education. They just want, you know, them to go be, uh, um, you know, in the, in, indoctrination for their, right. for their movement. Um, but the democratic party does not want the communities that they are helping to be educated on how to exercise their power. They want to be able to tell them what to do. Um, but they don't act because once, once communities are activated, um, once people understand how to, again, organize and collectively use their power, the oligarchy will be done. And that's what we're fighting against here. Um, we're, and, and, you know, obviously both parties prop up the oligarchy, um, and, and really to the detriment of democracy and to the detriment of the average citizen. So, so we're going to, we, you know, electoralism is not everything. Community organizing uh, is, is massively important, but if we can get that platform and do what we can, I'm not, I am, I am under no illusions that um, the fight whatever we can get accomplished in Congress is going to be hard. It's going to be, you know, the prospects of success for any individual thing might be slim, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't get in there and fight as hard as we can for it. Yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, but I do want to say this to Anthony and Stephanie's point. The reason I asked you to be on this is, you know, a, a, a harsh and honest criticism of the Democratic Party is a critical part of looking at the entire uh, system and, and what's wrong with it. Republicans and the GOP are, are a curse on this country. Um, and to, to your point, Jason, they have indoctrinated the public. They have spread misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda through this massive propaganda machine they built, Fox and social media and Facebook and elsewhere. And, and back 20 years ago, like chain emails and they, they have a powerful system of propaganda to indoctrinate people, to stir up hate in, in their base, because hate is what they run on, right? Hate and oppression and bigotry. Um, but similarly to your point, Anthony, caging children, caging babies at the border, that was done under Obama and Biden. Then it was done under Trump. Trump used the cages built by Obama and Biden, and Biden came in and caged more children, oppressing people, you know, funding the war in Yemen, 
uh, starving the children of Afghanistan, being done by Democrats, being done by Republicans. So the leadership of both parties are committing really crimes against humanity. I mean, the last Nuremberg prosecutor, I believe died by now, was 99 years old a few years ago, said what was happening at the border to migrants were, were crimes against humanity. This is what Stephen Miller and Donald Trump did. Well, you know what? Biden and Schumer and Pelosi and the leadership of the Democratic Party continued those very same policies of caging children and separating families. They say Democrats, well, Democrats didn't separate families. They did. Under Obama, who was called the deporter in chief, they deported many, many families and broke families apart in the United States during this massive deportation. The and, Haitian and families. Peter, that if, were, I, if I could yeah. just cut in quickly, one of the one of the worst aspects of the Democratic Party is their refusal to be self-critical. It is anathema within the Democratic Party to be exactly. self-critical. And, and that is that is almost as bad as the fact that they that they support a bunch of heinous stuff. You're, you're, you're totally right. So, so I want to always keep my eye on the, on the North Star, which is that we are fighting fascism. We're fighting white supremacy. We're fighting, we're fighting the, the oppression of marginalized people, working people, and the most vulnerable in society. And I, I, I never want to make the mistake of only going after one party or the other. It's the entire duopoly. It's the entire system. And it's not just the United States. It's across the world. People are, are voiceless people, are oppressed people, are marginalized, and it's our job on, on this earth. You know, as I, you know, I'm in my mid fifties now, the older I get, the more I realize this is the noble purpose for all of us on earth: to love our loved ones, raise them well, take care of them, support those if we don't have children or 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 or, or grandchildren, to care about those around us, to care about our community, but also to care about those we don't know, who we have nothing to do with, but who are being oppressed by this horrible system we have. So on that note, I want to thank you all. I respect and admire and love all of you. You're, you know, you are the most important people to me, the activists and organizers and candidates who I've come to know over the 20 years I've done politics have become really the most important people in my life, other than, of course, my close family and my loved ones. So, um, so thank you all for coming. Have a wonderful rest of your night. Mikhail, I appreciate your presence. It's the first time uh, on the show. Thank you so, so much for coming and being here for everything that you do. And I will speak to you all hopefully very soon and continue to support all of you. Thank you. Okay, good night. Have a great night. All right, good night. Appreciate it, everybody. Bye.